Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. My daughter and I are in the habit of tree climbing at the moment. Every Saturday morning, we climb a tree and we take a flask of tea with us and a biscuit. And uh, we call it tea up a tree. Nice. Yeah. That's a hashtag, isn't it? Tea it up is. A tree. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we do it for kicks and giggles, but it's partly so that we can have a look at the tree and spend a bit of time talking about how this tree this oak tree is different from the beech tree is different from the London plane tree and so on and it takes a moment just to slow things down and really look at something and as I say with uh, with Lily our daughter how often do we really stop and really look at something for more than 30 seconds and when you stop and just contemplate the just the, the dark or the leaf the way that the light shines through the tree on a Saturday morning you see these glimpses of everyday wonder so these wonderfully mundane but beautiful moments and Mm -hmm. it's just a great reminder that we have a beautiful God who made a beautiful creation and even in the grime of the city you know the new creation is so brilliant it just can't help but seep through into the here and now in those little everyday moments of beauty. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm delighted to be here. My name is Ed Drew, and this is the podcast where we are trying to walk with parents through the normal experience of parenting for Jesus Christ. The ups and the downs, the normality and the chaos, the confusion and the joy, we're here for that. Amy, it's great to have you. Where are you? How are you feeling? Hello, Ed. You've had two solo podcasts without me because I've been a bit poorly, but I'm back. I'm back and I'm in Liverpool and I'm so looking forward to today. Today's podcast is literally me like a pig in muck. <laughs> as, as enthusiastic Ed as you are about swimming, I am about art. And we have the fabulous Al with us today. Al, say hi. Hello. Nice to see you. Now, Al, we're starting this podcast in a way we never normally do. But So just very quickly, Al, tell us what is this podcast all about? Well, it's about art today, so I hope everybody's feeling creative. We might Woo-hoo. even do a little bit of art 
as we move down. We're talking about yes. faith, we're talking about art, a bit about painting, about what it means to be a Christian who is an artist, about what it means to be a parent who's into creative things or helping your kids be creative and make art, that sort of stuff. Al, amazing. Now, Al, we're going to try and do something we've not done before, which is we're going to try to do art on the podcast and we're inviting our listeners to join us in that. So, Al, just quickly, they're going to press pause and they're just going to run around their home, their garden, wherever they are. Just could you give us a short list of things, Al, that we could have ready for our moment of art later? Okay, on the tick list today, you're going to need a glass of water. You're going to need some soil. You're going to need a pencil and you're going to need some paper. That's it. Really easy. So excited. While we do our little dance, press pause. Just honestly, do go with us. I know you're just thinking, I won't. I'm just going to listen to what you do with mud in a, on a podcast, but actually do it. Because maybe it'll go so well, you think, let's get the whole family doing this when they get home. Okay, so we're ready. In that case, Al, please tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you sat? What's your job? Why do you do it? How's your family? Well, right now, Ed, I'm sitting in my art studio, which is in South London, in Tooting. I'm surrounded by paints and brushes, and there's a bit of a smell of linseed oil in the air. That's what I do. I work as an artist and I make paintings. And at the moment, I'm making landscapey paintings. But in the past, I've made still lifey paintings and portraity paintings. But right now, it's all about the landscape. And I work for a charity called Morphe Arts. And we are supporting artists who have Christian faith working in the mainstream. So a bit like faith in kids, but faith in the arts i suppose wow. <laughs> nice <laughs> out, nice oh Thanks. lovely out say it confidently and we all believe you and agree okay it's really like faith in kids and it's like faith in the arts perfect <laughs> Al. and tell us about your family al so i'm a dad to lily who's nine years old um nine kind of coming on 19 she's getting mm-hmm. a bit teenagey and feisty which i love uh <laughs> don't, don't tell her that And I'm married to the wonderful Anna, and we've been married for 15 years now altogether. Just celebrated our anniversary last week, in fact. Very good. Um, Ed, I feel we should give the listeners an insight because I can see into Al's studio. So there are some artists who just have like paint on their shoes and paint on the wall and boxes full of chaos. Al has paintbrushes on hooks and oil paints on shelves and acrylics hanging in colour order and a beautiful white wall. You know, Amy, you're thinking how it could be messy. What I'm thinking is Al's background looks like it's something Zoom has given him. (laughs) Because it's so obviously (laughs) a background for an artist. Absolutely. It could all be fake, couldn't it? Yes, I could actually be in in a bus depot in Croydon. Exactly. (laughs) It looks that. It looks that. I'm an artist. He picked up a tube of the paint before to show me. It's real. Al, can you just tell us what is art and why do you love it? Just just move it from the slightly intimidating art gallery and into our lives for us. Well, I think art is, if you boil it down to me, it is, it's human expression. It's the voice of the human heart. It's the stuff that you make because you just love making it. And for some people, that is a poem. For some people, it's a painting. Other people, a song. I would even say that could be cooking or even gardening or even going for a bike ride, something that you do that is creative is art. Amen. I mean, why do you love it? What? What? How, when did you start loving it? I don't remember there ever being a time when I wasn't making art. I, I can't remember ever 
anything other than loving art. And in fact, when I was four, my dad bought me a sketchbook and pencils so that I could start experimenting, probably to stop me drawing on the walls, actually. <laughs> probably thought it was a better idea to sketchbook. But I always have. Um, it's generally been the one thing I'm quite good at possibly the only thing I am good at. So it was art, art or nothing else, really. So I'm, I'm one of those guys who's always imagined being an artist. And even if it wasn't my job, I'd be doing it, you know, and it would be my hobby infinitely. Yeah, so I'm, I love it. And I love seeing other people making art as well. And especially when families get into art, because there's so many cool things that happen when family start sitting around the kitchen table and getting messy and creative together. So Al, your hobby is art. You like art. Some people like art. Some people don't. It's great. It's a choice, surely, that you're in or you're out of. Whether you're a Christian or not doesn't really matter. I don't know, Amy. Um, I wouldn't say it's a choice. <laughs> that that feels like a very leading question. <laughs> oh, yes. Go Al. Go Al. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a choice. I think it's a mandate. That meaning it is something that it is mandatory, that, that is compulsory to do. That makes it sound really boring and dull, mm -hmm. actually. But I think it's all about what it means to be a human being in mm -hmm. the end of the day. If we believe we are made in the image of a creative God, and we only need to look five words into the Bible to see that. You know, last time I read Genesis, it begins mm -hmm. in the beginning, God created. Mm -hmm. God's a creative God, right? And mm -hmm. if we are like him, then we are creative too. So it's not a kind of if or but or maybe it's as much as we are people who like to worship, people who have an idea of what's right and wrong, people who love relationships and communities, all these other things that are part of God's character. Creativity is part mm -hmm. of God's character too. So, yeah, I think, I think it's something that we all need to be doing. But more than that, you know, when we don't do it, I think we just miss out a little bit somehow on life we get a bit sort of itchy scratchy and aren't quite living in the, the sort of way that actually god intends us to live of, of mm. fullness mm. and joy and abundance and i think art can be a really big part of that i'm somebody who loves creativity who loves expression who loves painting who loves all kinds of things and of my four children I have three who run with that with bells on and we have done everything from just covering the playhouse with the mud outside, finger painting, drawing, sketching, sitting outside, looking at the stars, building stuff with grass. And I have one son who says, I can't do it because it's not very good. Oh, bless his heart. And tends to stop at, you know, what if I'm not good at this? What if I produce isn't good so that therefore I'm going to, I'm going to hold back. Yeah, you sound like you have a fun household. I'd love to do all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I think that often for a lot of us, there's that barrier that we think I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna go there because what I produce might not be good, and that perhaps we have an overfocus on what the end result is rather than what are we going to enjoy and learn along the way. Oh, I completely agree, Amy. Do you know I come across so many folks who say I'm not very good at art. And it's quite often because at some point in their life, someone somewhere, a teacher or a parent or a family member, or maybe they've said to themselves, mm -hmm. I'm not good, or you're not good at this, mm -hmm. or it's not your thing. And it's such a shame because it's mm. sort of that voice niggles in your head and you start to convince yourself you're not actually that good. But the thing is, everybody can draw and everybody can paint. 
some people granted are really 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 good at it i get that mm -hmm. but everybody i think can paint and draw or write a poem to a good sort of level you know and it it doesn't matter if it's not the sistine chapel you know or mm -hmm. if you're not the next rembrandt i don't think god is asking us all to be the next um, da vinci or the next turner i think god takes great delight just when we make things Mm -hmm. like like my my daughter likes to dance and paint and draw and she's really good at dancing i think she's probably better at this stage at dancing than other things but when she makes a drawing i love it i really love it as her dad and i don't sit down and think you know sweetheart you, you should mm -hmm. get better at this or better at that or change this i just love the fact that she's making things mm -hmm. and i think if we feel like that about our kids i kind of think god feels like that about us his children too that just when you make something you know and have fun making it maybe learning a bit about him as you go then i think god just takes great delight in that i think he might even sing yes <laughs> yes Al, you've already started to tiptoe into there's more for the for the Christian artist than there is for the artist. You know, we, we, so, you know, we're all clear what I'm not saying that art is only for Christians, but you, you seem to be saying there's more for the Christian in art. Can you just say a bit more about that? Is, is there a distinctive you think as Christians we can say about art that adds even more to it? Well, in some ways I'd say that the art that Christians are making or the art that's available for Christians is no different to everybody else. You know, I have the same colours that everybody else has. And if I was a musician, I'd have the same notes in the octave as anybody else has. But there's something about being a Christian, about seeing the world a little bit differently, perhaps about being connected to things that we understand to be true, having the Holy Spirit in us, how the Spirit changes the way we think and see the world and see ourselves. And there's something about that, I think, that distinguishes art made by Christians by than art made by those who don't yet share our faith in Christ. And that's not to say it's better, actually. And a lot of Christians make art that's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> Just as, of course, those who don't share faith in Christ make brilliant art. But it's something about being connected to the Holy Spirit and, and understanding things that are true and seeing the world in that way that makes a bit of a difference, I think, for Christians who are artists. Tell us about beauty. Our friend Ed Shaw, I heard him do a seminar. Someone asked the question of him, what do we do when we're just down about the, this topic he was talking about? And his answer really surprised me. He said, go and, go and look at something beautiful and thank God for it. The point he was making was to see something beautiful is to see something of the creator. It is easier to thank God, I think he's saying. It's easier to see the good when we see something beautiful. Beauty is Christian. Yes, agreed. Or beauty is true. <laughs> I'd say beauty is true. I could talk about this till the cows come home, so you might need to uh, stop me if I'm rattling on too much. But I think the, the idea of beauty has become so complicated in recent years that we struggle even to know what beauty is. And, and we're left with slippery statements like it's in the eye of the beholder 
or, or it becomes some cynical ploy to sell something and mm -hmm. to advertise something. Or we think about beauty as something that's just surface deep, something that's shallow. And uh, But when we think about beauty historically, if we kind of time, turn back the clock a little bit, you know, the idea of beauty used to be synonymous with its sister's goodness and truth. So if, if we were having this podcast, what, 450 years ago, and you said, tell me about beauty, you could easily be saying, tell me about truth or tell me about goodness. And I'd read the word beauty as I'd read the word truth and goodness. And it's really only recently that we've started to detach beauty from these other great concepts. And there are various reasons for that. Dionysism is part of that. And the great art for art's sake project is part of that. Um, uh, there's loads of things we could talk about, uh, about how beauty has changed in time. But historically, beauty has really been about things that are true and things that are good. And we see that in the Bible uh, as well. Um, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, I don't, I don't think Isaiah or or Paul I was imagining were, particularly well pedicured feet at that moment. Wouldn't that be really weird? Like he yeah, had yeah. some sort of thing about feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a nice nail colour shade on this. Yes. Bringing the good news. How attractive are your sandals? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was about that. I think it was more about the message that was coming. Or when we read about the beautiful character of, of Ruth uh, mm -hmm. in the Bible, or rather or of Esther, the beauty of Esther. The word beauty there really means goodness. It wasn't just about the way that she looked. It was about her character, her good character. You know, in the biblical sense, beauty is, is goodness. In fact, Genesis 1, God says that the creation, it is good. That word good also translates as beautiful. Um, so maybe we could remind ourselves of, of that tradition. And then when Ed says, look at something beautiful, uh -huh. You know, that it reminds us of things that are true and things that are good. How often you look at a sunset or a sunrise and it restores the soul and it reminds you of the character of God because beauty is connected to truth and goodness. So, Al, you've, that feels very personal to me and that's something that I could understand. But I think there's something about you. You've, you've got a daughter who's 9, 10. I have a daughter who's 10. For a lot of us, there's a there's a worry about about beauty, uh, the pressure of beauty. How do we not just enjoy beauty, perhaps for ourselves to point our own hearts to God, but how do we enjoy beauty? How do we show our daughters beauty? How do we show our sons beauty in a way that's that's good? Mm. How do we share? How do we pull them in with us on that journey? Yeah, yeah. How do you do that with your daughter? Oh, gosh, I could tell you how it works in theory, and then my daughter will tell you how it works in practice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that Anna and I talk to Lily about character, the beauty of her character and of the stuff that's going on inside her, not just the stuff of what she looks like on the outside. Mm -hmm. I hope we model that in the way Anna and I relate to one another celebrating good character you know saying thank you for that kind word thank you for that that act act that you did that was a really generous beautiful act that you did as well as complimenting each other you know on and um, darling you look beautiful tonight you know thank you for wearing that for going on the date that's a lovely thing or when Anna comments on how 
I got a good haircut, you know, the one in 10 that actually went well. <laughs> you know, uh, your hair looks good today, Al. You know, I, I hope we talk about beauty in more holistic terms. And, but there's, there's the great, you know, account of the woman of noble character in, in Proverbs, which is a wonderful example of feminine beauty, I think, in, in Scripture. They'd be my starters for 10, Amy, but, you know, I admit we aspire to do better on this and maybe you have some thoughts on it yourself how does it work out for you guys in your house well i'm going to go for a totally simple example of this very morning we've had a tough morning getting everyone out the door to school and there was a lot of underlying stress on our gray concrete walk to school and on our gray concrete walk to school i like to notice particularly seasons changes colors leaves plants So on our grey walk to school, there's this beautiful peach rose that's leaning over the fence of the house that we walk past. And I just have a moment to stop and say, guys, we've been having a tough morning. And here is a reminder of a God who didn't just create one flower. Look how many he created. Look at the detail. Look at the colour. This is like a sunset in a rose. This is a reminder that even in this hard concrete grey day, God loves me and he loves you and he's talking to us. That didn't have to be there and it is. And I just think those moments when I walk to school, there's there's a garden, there's we've had snowdrops, we've had geraniums, we've had, you know, all those different things that is just God speaking. And the clouds that we're walking under, look how big, look how wide, look at the variety, the low grey, the far off blue, the leaves coming out. Look at the different leaves he made. My poor kids. (laughs) The amount of enthusiasm about flora and fauna that they experience on a walk to school, which is just, we're being showered by the kindness of a God who gives us something new to enjoy every day. That, yeah, there's beauty in a broken morning of stressed families that that we need. Oh, I love that. I love how you're seeing beauty in the unexpected places, Mm -hmm. you know, in a scuffed up old wall and, mm-hmm. and even there alongside the flowers there are beautiful textures and colors that are happening and my daughter and I are in the habit of tree climbing at the moment every Saturday morning we climb a tree and we take a flask of tea with us and a biscuit and uh, we call it tea up a tree nice yeah that's a hashtag isn't it tea it up is. a tree. <laughs> and you know we do it for kicks and giggles but it's partly so that we can have a look at the tree and spend a bit of time talking about how this tree this oak tree is different from the beech tree is different from the london plane tree and so on and it takes a moment just to slow things down and really look at something and as i say with uh, with lily our daughter how often do we really stop and really look at something for more than 30 seconds and when you stop and just contemplate the, just the, the bark or the leaf, the way that the light shines through the tree on a Saturday morning, you see these glimpses of everyday wonder. So these wonderfully mundane but beautiful moments. And mm-hmm. it's just a great reminder that we have a beautiful God who made a beautiful creation. And even in the grime of the city, you know, the new creation is so brilliant, it just can't help but seep through into the here and now in those little everyday moments of beauty. That's so true. I think of having evenings of having, you know, had a tough time and have a, now this is a personal confession, uh, shouted at my kids and then just needed to go. I, I've often been either for a walk to see something green 
or I occasionally go to TK Maxx to look at the smelly candles aisle because that looks beautiful. That looks beautiful. And the home stuff at the back. And it because it makes a connection to there is something more, there is something better, there is something coming. There is a God who is at work even in these tough situations to bring something beautiful out of it. So I think that is about seeing that beauty and trusting that it's coming. Ed, let's take tea in a tree national. I'm all in favour. I'm a big fan of trees. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm the biggest fan of trees next to rivers. Al, I'm pondering that you are one of the calmest people I know. And even actually here listening to you, I actually feel calmer. And it strikes me that parenting is often a rush. Part of parenting is usually being late. New parents, I often hear them say that holidays they've discovered aren't actually a holiday. They're normally harder. So it does occur to me that beauty normally happens if you slow down, if you take a breath, and I, I vividly remember walking along a river with my son when he was just walking and discovering I was essentially trying to rush him along when he could have just talked about the river all day and just thinking, what an idiot of a parent. You know, this is a precious moment. I, I, you know, you don't get many of them, actually. Is there something of that, that artists just go a bit more slowly and just see beauty more? And And as a parent... Do you deliberately look for art, beauty, or or do you? You know, I I'm really asking you, what is it like to be out? You know, <laughs> I love. The the, I just love that you think I'm calm. I'm, I'm going to say that to uh, to my wife, to Anna later on. Ed, Ed thinks I'm calm. There is something about being an artist about slowing life down. I mean, the, the mechanics of making a painting. It's a slow burn. It's the opposite of Instagram when it's up really quick. You know, the paintings in my studio now I work on for days, sometimes months. And there are moments in the making of a painting where things slow down that it becomes quite mundane, even quite numbing at points. And that's all right, because so much of life actually is mundane, you know, and and numbing. And that's okay. And then there are other points that are sheer elevation, you know, and you can work at a frenetic pace and everything's happening at one time. And it's very exciting, just like life in that. So in some ways, the, the making of a painting evokes what it's like to live on a, a daily basis. But, but I think part of the role of an artist is to see, to communicate what you see to those around about you. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it might be to see how beautiful water is as it falls on concrete for example, or it might be to see what the view is like from the top of a tree with a a cup of tea in your hand, or it might be to see what the real nature of beauty is, as we've been discussing. I think in that way, the gift that an artist can, can offer is to be able to show the world the way that they see things. And for that to happen, life does need to slow down a little bit. So it is a privilege to be an artist. You know, it is an honour to be an artist and to be afforded opportunity to slow things down. But I think that helps with parenting as well, because I'm completely with you on this. Uh, you know, uh, my studio practice is very calm and quiet and slow, even monastic. And my studio at times feels a little bit like a monk's cell. And then I head back to the house for lunch times, for school pickups. So in our household, I generally take Lily to school in the mornings. Anna and I split the pickup at three o'clock. 
So some days I'll have Lily with me from three o'clock for the rest of the day, other days not. And that, that's the, sort of the usual mad flurry of trying to grab the teacher to ask something, connecting with another parent to ask about something else. There's something you need to pay for, the school meal, meals on that app. There's an email that needs replying to. And then the church stuff connected, you know, who's doing home group tonight? Oh, we didn't get the sausages in for home group. You know, oh, we forgot about band practice on Friday. All that sort of stuff. And life does not feel calm at all. But... An old tutor of mine, when I was at school, he encouraged us to make a drawing every day. And he said that simple action of making a drawing will help you slow things down sufficiently so that you can see things better. And what he was actually talking about is something like a kind of quiet time for artists. (laughs) A moment of pause, a moment of reflection. And I do draw, I make a drawing every day. And as I draw, I pray. And I find that simple discipline of making a drawing and praying actually does help me then with parenting decisions about coping with the madness and the craziness. If anything, it just helps me to see the situation better and and maybe just to take pause and reflect before coming in with, you know, trying to find the, the answer to the problem. And as a parent, there's always that moment, isn't there, in your busyness, your your child is often wanting to get your attention. And the younger they are, the norm is to bring you something. They come and say, look at this, or they spot something because they're observant, or they are already slowed down because they're not thinking about all those things. So they spot, look at that lady's funny hat, or look at this leaf, or there's a ladybird, or, you know, listen to that bird, what is that? that they often give you on a plate that opportunity to stop and go, wow, you're right, yeah. Or look at this spider's web or look at this thing. that because And they're doing it because they want you to look at them and what they can see. And then as a parent, we get to say, yeah, I see that, it's great. And let me help you look somewhere else with it too. Yeah. And how often does our mind just go to the thing that we were thinking about before rather than attuning to what our child is interested in, mm-hmm. and, and taking a moment yeah just to slow down and say thank you for that let's have a look at that let's have a chat about what you're interested in for this moment and there's just that link isn't there that what, what the parent can do the christian parent can do is deliberately make the link between the beauty and the creator that I, I think that's a unique role for a parent you know an art teacher could do it a math teacher could do it a grandparent could do it But a parent is more likely to be there in those moments of elation, which, which, as you say, Al, you're giving us license to say scoring a goal is art. You're giving us license to say freewheeling down the hill on your bike is art. Coming in with muddy hands. And before you get angry about what's about to get dirty, catching your children splashing in a paddling pool is art. And... A unique distinctive of a parent is to say, quick, let's thank God. Let's thank God that he is the author of this. And surely the new creation is going to be full of these moments when we're not late for something. We're not rushing off for something. We're not angry that our carpet's about to get dirty. We're just enjoying the beauty a lot more. And the connection won't need to be as painfully deliberate as, oh, dad, you're doing it again. It will be, no, this, this is life enjoying that beauty and thanking the creator without effort. Yes. 
You won't be as frustrated with me on a walk because I keep stopping to say, feel this, look at that, look at this. Put your hand in here. What about this part? Look at this flower. You'll be going, yeah, this is our father's world, Ed. We get to enjoy it and journey through it and notice it. It's amazing. It's art time. It is. Al, let's do some art. Tell us what to do. Right, okay. So hopefully you'll have with you a pencil and paper and water and soil. And if you don't, go quickly grab that right now. So we've got pencil and paper and Uh we've got soil and water. Right, okay. We're going to come to soil and water in a minute. But to begin with, we're doing pencil and paper. So this is a little project called Blind Drawing. And the idea of this project is to learn how to see. So people often think that drawing is about making marks on a piece of paper that look like the thing that's in front of you. And that's part of it. But before you can do that, you really need to learn how to see. In fact, the artist Paul Cezanne said that art is about seeing. So I would like you to take your pencil and place it right onto the middle of your paper. And once you've put it in the middle of the paper, that is the last time you will look at your piece of paper while we make the drawing. Okay, so eyes up. And I'd like you to find something around you to draw. It might be the cup. Beside you, it might be the lamp. It might be a pot plant. If you're listening to the podcast, it might be the device that you're listening to this on. And when you're ready, I'd like you to start drawing that object without looking at the paper. Now, it might be that it's one continuous line. So maybe not lifting the pencil off the paper. One continuous line, Amy, no cheating. I can not, see you looking like, down. I was, I was tempted, but I've got my hand in the way. Okay. It's actually really hard to do. It is. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm sh- I'm doing shading. Like, why am I doing shading? <laughs> got the light on this side, this dark over here, there's this at the bottom. Okay. 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 So you're drawing without looking. And uh-huh. as your eyes move up the object, your pencil will move up. As your eyes move down, your pencil will move down, left and right the same. And as you're drawing, I want you to think less about the drawing itself and more about the object that you are drawing. So think about what is it made of? How does the texture feel? How does the light dance off it, refract and reflect? Think about the stuff it's made out of. So is it plastic or stone or is it a plant or is it organic or inorganic? And I think probably whatever it is, it's made of atoms and stuff. (laughs) Things that have existed in the world in a different way, but for centuries and centuries and centuries. So I want you to think about all that stuff while you're drawing. Maybe think about... How did that thing come into the world? Was it made by a human being? Was it created by God? Was it birthed? Was it formed? How did it come into the world? And think about all of that while you're making marks on the paper, not looking down. So you're really learning to see that object, not just what it looks like, but what the object actually is. So as you think about what it is, think about if it's stone, what is the sort of stoniness of the stone? What is the woodiness of the wood? 
And what did that thing look like or appear as even before you were born, centuries ago? If it's made out of wood or stone, what was it like at the time that Jesus walked the earth? What was it like centuries and millennia before that when God flung the stars into space? when he separated the land from the waters. And now as you're drawing, think about how that object that you're drawing connects to the person of Christ all those centuries ago and even before that to the creation of the world. How does that thing sit in the ongoing story of Jesus and his plans for the world? Now, when you're ready, you can look down and have a look at what you have drawn. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I, I wonder what you've drawn. Mine looks a lot like spaghetti. It's very squiggly. How have you got on there? How's yours, Amy? Oh, mine is super squiggly, but I love it. Fantastic. There's Ed's yeah. one as well. Great. Mine is really whirly. Yes. Have you done your microphone stand, Ed? No, I've done the house of my neighbours. Sit out the window. Ma- I can't believe mine is is the apple that's on the worktop. There you go. Oh yes, I can see, and <laughs> it even looks a bit like an apple. So I think I wonder if you've looked down. <laughs> I promise I didn't. Before we go on, Al, I've got one question. There's only one question that came from that. Can you just help us a bit? with the that last part you touched on which is how does this relate to jesus that seems to me to be a bit harder so for instance i'm looking at my neighbor's house or as amy's looking at an apple what were you drawing al i was drawing my mug right in front of me okay yeah so can you for those three examples can you just tell us something of of how that the beginning of how that relates to jesus well this is a a project about seeing and it's about seeing things for what they really are and how they have come into the world, how they've been created and being made. And drawing can do that. Drawing is a way of seeing. And seeing isn't just about the way things look. It's about the way things are, how they exist in the world. And scripture tells us that all things are created by God in him and for him. You know, it's the stuff of Colossians that He is the image of the invisible God. All things are made by him and for him. And that's all talking about Jesus. All things are made by him and for him. So that's not just mountains and trees and rivers, but everything, all things connect to he who has created all things. Even your neighbor's house, Ed, even that apple, Amy, that you've drawn and the mug here on the table. And what this little exercise does, it doesn't give you all the answers, but it's a way of beginning to think about that and helping your kids to think about how does that thing, that mug on my table, how did that come into existence through Jesus? Now, how does that connect to God's big plan for the world? And, and drawing can really help with that. It creates a space in your head just to pause and reflect in a way that's really different, I think, from being asked Ed, a direct question. All the exciting steps of making a home. 
course, that's what Jesus is doing, is making a home. An apple, death and resurrection, the pit that becomes a tree, that becomes an apple, that becomes a pit. That becomes, oh, a mug, we're being moulded. Like, we're off. Come on. Love it. I was actually thinking it, it helps me to think perhaps the first time that my neighbours, you know, that there's that verse in Acts 17, Jesus decides where people live, the seasons of their lives. Jesus put the, my neighbours there. They're created in God's image. They're not just my neighbours. They're divine works of art with legs and arms. Good workout. Tell us what's next, Al. Right. So if you've got time for a cheeky second one, and this is a, a, a short one, you're going to need your water and you're going to need your soil or your mud. And this time, I want you to put your finger in the water to begin with and then move it over to the soil or the mud and then mix it in so you've got a kind of muddy pigment. And what you're doing is you, you're making paint. <laughs> this is all that paint is. Paint is a pigment, a small particle of colour, and a binder to hold it together. And that can be oil paint, or it can be gum arabic, or it can be water. So if you mix up the water and the muds, and you can just do it on your finger a little bit, you've made yourself a little rudimentary muddy paint. And you're going to use that to paint into the drawing that you've just done okay again i want you to do it without looking at the drawing itself so looking at the thing so edit your neighbor's house isn't it and amy you've got an apple my apple is my apple and this time i want you to paint in tone and color and form and if you feel that you're starting to run out of your muddy pigment then you can replenish it again with the water and and the mud and you can start to work into it again. And it's going to feel a bit like drawing. But as you're doing that, I want you to feel the difference how the finger touching the paper is different this time to the pencil touching the paper. And the smell. And the smell, yeah. You've got a kind of muddy, earthy, peaty kind of smell. And as you're painting that thing in front of you, you're still learning how to see. So this is still about how to see objects for what they are. And I want you to think about how the mud on your finger, made of carbon and stuff, how that relates to the paper that you're working on. And that paper used to be a tree. And that tree is made of carbon and stuff. And how that relates to the thing that you are painting, that house, that apple, my mug, that's also made of carbon and stuff and matter and atoms. While you're at it, you might want to think about your finger and your body. That's made of stuff, material. Try to do it without looking down as best you can, looking and reflecting on the thing in front of you itself. And I might bring us back to that verse in Colossians about Jesus, that he is the image of the invisible God. All things are made by him and for him. All things. The thing you're drawing, the thing you're drawing with your finger, the thing you're drawing on the paper, and the material that you're using, the mud. All things are made by him and for him. 
So you might want to reflect on how all those things are connected. The things of the world, the material of the world, the things we use to draw and paint and see the world, how all that stuff is made by Christ and is for him. And that might even be enough. You can look down now and have a look at what you've done. (laughs) How's it looking? Slightly looking like somebody's sat with a muddy, <laughs> muddy, muddy hand on my on my scribbly drawing. But it's okay. Fantastic. It go. should. There we go. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> I want to say. I want to say, Al. I don't think we need to look down because I'm saying the thing we've been drawing, colouring, has never looked so beautiful as it does right now. I have never enjoyed the tree outside my window or my neighbour's house as much as I have now. I have never considered the connection back through millennia to creation and to Christ in an apple. So it doesn't matter if I've got a big splop, muddy splop on my paper. I've, I've enjoyed something beautiful about the thing that I'm looking at. Fantastic. Well, that's what it's about. It's a moment just to slow down, to look to reflect on things that God has made, how we relate to it. It makes me think of when Jesus did a scribble in the sand as Uh well. We've no idea what that scribble actually was. It was a little connecting point with the dirt and the dust. And I wonder what he was looking at when he made that scribble in the sand. So, And that's really what it is. It's a little scribble with mud. But that really simple act is so profoundly Mm. theological and it connects us with the world and things that are beautiful and true. So it might look like splodgy, ugly, mucky mud, but it's beautiful because it's reminding us of things Mm. that are true and things Mm. that are good. Al, would you pray for us, please, in our parenting and in the beauty of our art? Father, I thank you that you are a creative God. And as such, you have both gifted us and mandated us with creativity. And Father, parenting can be wonderful and joyful, and it can be exhausting and frustrating. And there are moments we just need to slow down and see your world and see you better and Help us to see you through your words, I pray, through scripture. Help me to help us to see you through the work of your spirit and also through creation as well. And speak to us of beauty and goodness and wonder through your world. And my prayer for those who are listening is that they might experience that in some way through this great gift of art. And for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Al, thank you for joining us. Al, in the show notes, we're going to put links to Morphe Arts and uh, the book you've written on exactly this topic and uh, anything else you want to give us to point parents towards. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, the book Why Art Matters is out now and there's a wee podcast called Faith in the Arts podcast as well where we explore these things a little bit more too. Amazing. Ed, what a treat. What a treat that has been. I'm looking forward to future art therapy with Al. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.